Welcome back into another episode of the All Ball Podcast. We just have a bunch of trades to get underway. NBA, NFL, in the past week, we have seen multiple trades. We saw one of the biggest moves that we could see in the NFL draft as the San Francisco 49ers moved up from the 12th pick to the third pick. And we've seen as the trade deadline approached and went in the NBA, some major moves going across the league. Before we get into our thoughts and the impact of these trades in our opinion jo- uh, george how are we doing we're doing good we are doing good it's uh it's a nice wednesday morning and we are doing good how about yourself i'm doing good you know looking at these trades just doing more research on them and seeing these pro days honestly it's just i just miss football still yeah it's i mean it's about that time you know when the deadline happens the talk has to become action for these teams and then um and then, you know, the NFL stuff, yeah, like you said, is, is you know, really starting to get underway. So, yeah, it, it's an exciting time for, you know, if you like teams to make moves. Yeah, we're, I think, 29 days away from the draft and it, honestly, or 20 or 30 days away from the draft and it couldn't come sooner. Seriously. With that in mind, we will get into the first trade, which completely caught me off guard. I mean, I, I don't think anybody was expecting this. The San Francisco 49ers, who were sitting at the 12th pick, moved up to the number three spot with the Miami Dolphins in exchange for the 12th pick, a 2021 third rounder, which is a compensatory pick at the end for uh, Robert Sala getting hired. And then their first rounders in 2022 and 2023 to move up to the third pick. And you have to assume this is to go get a quarterback, which one that is after Trevor Lawrence and most likely Zach Wilson are taking one and two. I mean, we've seen people are starting to talk. Is Mac Mac Jones going to go third overall to the to the San Francisco 49ers? Man, I mean, it. Uh, he certainly seems to be trending upwards. You know, as I think about it, I, I think um, I think they could go in a number of directions. Obviously, Jones, or he could go Lance, who have been talked about a bit less lately, or of course Fields, who a lot of people are pretty confident is the second best quarterback. Although it certainly seems like. Um, it certainly seems like Zach Wilson's going to go second overall to the Jets. So, yeah, it's interesting, man. I was surprised they made the move. Um, <clears throat> not shocked, I guess, because I knew that they were looking to upgrade the QB position. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. And, and you would have to assume they'll take a QB. Yeah, I think the same as you. I was surprised at the time. Like, I was surprised just to see the trade, but I'm not shocked because it makes sense. Jimmy G has been injured for the past two years, and it's really derailed their seat or two of the past three years, and it's really derailed their seasons. And they can't really, they can't really rely on that anymore. This is a Super Bowl caliber roster, and when they made the moves that they did, where they signed Trent Williams to this massive extension, they extend Kyle Juszczyk. They have a bunch of big ticket players. George Kittle's the highest paid or second highest paid tight end. You have just a bunch of guys that are making a lot of money and it really impacts and really helps when you have that rookie quarterback making minimal money to be able to fill out your roster and pay these top tier talents like they have been. But yeah, I I, like when I initially saw it, I'm like, this is Trey Lance or Justin Fields because if it works out perfectly, they can have Jimmy G in for the year and have Lancer Fields sit behind Jimmy G and learn the system. Everything I've learned or read about Kyle Shanahan, he doesn't like to play rookie quarterbacks. He wants them to fully learn the offense before they get into the game situations. And that's that perfect thing. And everybody has said that Trey Lance or Justin Fields need a year to develop. So it just felt like the timeline was perfect. And Jimmy G's contract's manageable. It's manageable to either either cut him at the end of the season, cut him during the season, whatever. The dead cap is not a lot. I thought more so initially that they would keep him for the year and then trade him to the Pats when Cam's one-year contract's up and And uh, go from there. That is is definitely possible. Yeah, I mean, like you said, um, it's it's kind of funny with these QB contracts because when Jimmy G first got signed, it seemed like a big it seemed like a big contract. And it's a lot like the NBA where like with each year that passes the contracts from like the years prior become more and more manageable. Cause like you said, like this contract is pretty manageable at this point in time and you can afford to have a Jimmy G and a top pick at QB and then sort of have, um, sort of have, yeah, you know, just like a manageable amount of total cap mm-hmm. into your quarterback position. So I agree. I think it's interesting. I think it's a lot to give up to sit a guy for a year when you're Super Bowl contender you know, it's not, it's sort of the opposite way of like a Packers who just use their like later end of the first round to, to sit a guy for what's going to be at least two years at this point. But um, look, I mean, if, if there's a guy they like, then you have to go and get him. Yeah. So 
I do like that point about the Aaron. It is a lot to trade up and have the third overall pick. But uh, yeah, it's just the quarterback position too important for me. I mean, maybe that's why, like, if you look at it, it's like they gave up three first rounders to get this guy. They need to play him now. That's where Mac Jones is. See, and, he, and the fit with Kyle Shanahan's system uh, that seems to be pretty, pretty clear could lead to him being the number three overall pick. Because I don't know if if you really feel comfortable with Trey uh, Trey Lance or Justin Fields coming in right now and maybe not even putting in an upgrade, but being serviceable enough at this moment. Well, well, and that was the, and that was the thing too, because like we talked about last week, they re-signed Trent Williams to this massive contract. Mm-hmm. So clearly, they're trying to win the Super Bowl. So, yeah. so then to then turn around and trade up to get a rookie QB doesn't really make a lot of sense for a team to try to win the Super Bowl. But then if you want to keep Jimmy G and start him for another year with another guy in the wings, yeah, I can understand that. And I think if you look ahead, I think they're planning that they're be- they're assuming Jimmy G is not going to get injured this year, which is far from a conclusion or like a far gone conclusion. But the fact is it's not a strong quarterback class coming out next year. And the year, like this is just a very strong one that you can get up and get a really good guy that you know right now that you're within striking distance at the number 12 pick. What, despite all the injuries they had last year, they were at the 12th pick. It's hard to assume that they'll be close to there in another strong quarterback class. Yep. So I could see that being the motive for, or the bigger motive for moving up and still deciding to sit a guy personally. I love this trade for the Dolphins. When you looked at the trade value chart, the worst that this could be, the worst possible scenario is – that the Dolphins netted the equivalent of the 66th overall pick, which is like a, a like the first yeah, or late. second pick in the first in the third round. I mean, or or late second, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, now I have to agree. Look, if if it's a QB heavy draft, and teams are like desperately looking to trade up to get QBs, and you don't feel that you need one, then then yeah, then it's definitely you know in your best interest to trade back. Like um, you know, remember a couple years back the Niners. Trade were the ones that traded back. They traded back one pick with the Bears in the mm-hmm. Trubitsky draft, and um, and they would net it a lot for trading back one pick there. And I think this is uh, pretty similar. Yeah, and similar. I, I I'll say more a little bit more similar, but I'm not saying your example's bad. But the Jets trading or the Colts trading back with the Jets from three to six when the Jets trade up to get Sam yeah. Darnold, they got three second rounders there. It's the ability to fill out your roster more completely because there are clearly glaring holes there and. I'm with you. I don't think they need a quarterback. I wasn't in the camp of they have to move off a of Tua necessarily right now. I thought that he was in probably the worst situation of all the rookie quarterbacks that were playing when it came to offensive line and skill position health. I mean, he had the 28th ranked offensive line when it came to PFF rankings at the end of the season. And I mean, besides Devontae Parker and somewhat Mike Gusecki, like there's there's nothing really there's if you compare him to Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, both of them had skill position players that just absolutely blew them out of the water and obviously both of them didn't have strong offensive lines but when you have both of those working against you and he's not the most mobile guy he's somewhat mobile but he's not the most mobile guy it really hamstrings him yeah and it's definitely you know speaking of two it's it's definitely a vote of confidence in him and i never really thought they were gonna uh give up on him so quickly but you know it's you know it's confirmed at this point it'd be a hell of a it'd be a hell of a a move i mean you i get the the josh like the josh rosen stuff like for kyle kyler murray like i got that because you bring in cliff kingsbury a new coach who didn't draft josh rosen and the system that he runs is like kyler murray was a perfect fit he wanted him at from coming out of high school to run this offense in college i mean it was just a match made in heaven i didn't see that same there was nowhere close to that same sort of fit or natural yeah natural scheme fit that you saw with kyler with whatever offense they're running in uh, they're they're going to run in Miami this upcoming yeah, season. And, well, and then also, I mean, that was having the first pick. I mean, this, and love to, you know, we're going to have to do like a draft po- podcast. So I'm very excited for that one. Cause mm-hmm. I know that we differ on, on our thoughts on the receivers, but, but also just the QBs to like go through and rank the QBs. I'm interested to see uh, how we differ on that as well, because like the third pick, man, like, Everyone, everyone is Trevor Lawrence first, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I mean, even even 
Urban Meyer, sorry to cut you off. Urban Meyer went on Peter King's podcast and pretty much like said, like it's done. He's like, yeah, we're we're definitely leaning in that direction. Well, and I know, and I know the owner said it too. I think the owner, like, don't you remember something about like when the Jets won their game and the owner said something about like something, something like once in a generation player. I think it's, I think it was pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the whole season was about tanking for Lawrence, but um. But yeah, just just gonna be interesting because I don't even know if I necessarily think Zach Wilson is the second best quarterback, but it's clearly a, a pretty much foregone conclusion that he's gonna go there. And then you have at least you know three other guys waiting in the wings that are probably gonna be drafted in the first round as well. So yeah, I just you know it's um it's a toss up and bringing it back to what I was saying before, it's definitely not like the Kyler Murray thing where it's like wow we clearly want this guy. It, it'd be um. You know, it'd be a controversial decision whichever way you went as far as who goes third. Agreed, agreed. Now on to the second trade. Miami then took the 12th pick that they were at and traded up again and sent the 12th pick, the 123rd pick, and a 2022 first rounder. I believe it's their own for the sixth pick and the 156th pick from the Philadelphia Eagles. Quickly, what were your thoughts? on? I'll go straight to you. Yeah, man, I was I was upset. Um, not to like always harp on the front office. It seems like I'm I'm upset with like all their moves. But uh, look, for me, this this um, draft has three elite playmakers. You got Devontae Smith, you have um, Jamar Chase, and you have Kyle Pitts. And if you're picking sixth, and then with all these QBs going, you're operating under the assumption that not only are you definitely going to get one but you're going to have your choice between two, if not all three of them. And then so to then turn around and actually get none of them, um, most likely, you never know mm-hmm. what could happen, but to then turn around and get nothing. And and we go from, you know, the sixth pick, you draft a stud, right? Like you draft someone, I don't want to say who's guaranteed to be good because it's the NFL, but you draft like a really highly rated guy. And the 12th guy is a bit more, or it gets a bit more questionable, where I think Howie might do something, Howie Roseman, the GM, might do something a bit more questionable. Um, and then it also almost makes me wonder, like, what did we, like we were the same team that tanked the game to go from the ninth pick to the sixth pick, and we fired our head coach because of it, arguably. And, um, and, and now we trade away that pick and I know we got the first rounder back and we're looking at three firsts next year, but um, yeah, I was, I was unhappy with the move and I have a, I have a sinking feeling that we're going to draft some guy that shouldn't be drafted at 12 and, and then it's going to look even worse. You know, when you look at the true value of it, it's a pretty good deal for the Eagles, but I completely get your opinion or your point on it's more of a sure thing when you have the six pick and you'd rather get that sure thing when you're trying to fill out the roster. Um especially when you're when a need is a playmaker and you can and it's pretty easy to identify like the the difference makers in this draft that you can attack in that position like you said those three guys Devontae Smith Jamar Chase Kyle Pitts and most likely I I I think very slim maybe Devontae Smith is there I I don't see Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase getting past the Giants uh at 11 but uh, I, I still the extra first rounder just moved down six spots is it, it's a big selling point for me that I, I think is is very massive when it comes to the grand scheme of things and the ammo that you now have. I've seen I've seen people discuss the idea of trading for Deshaun Watson. I've seen people discuss the fact that maybe they want to trade like they want to ammo up and trade up maybe next year. I now you open up your your possibilities to other things. Not saying that passing on Jamar Chase or the opportunity to get one of those guys is always a good thing, but I think when you look at it more long-term as opposed to just what you can get in this draft, I, I think it was a, a pretty solid deal. I'm not, I'm not going to say, like, when I looked at the 49ers to the Dolphins, I thought that was a clear, like, 49ers, if you want, if you see our, your quarterback in the future and you think you're going to go get him, you go get him, but I thought the Dolphins got a lot more in that deal. I think um... – I think I agree that like if you view the Eagles as a multi-year rebuild, which they probably are at this point in time, then then this was a good move as far as like gaining assets. I do sort of wonder um, if the value chart says that we win. Well, how does the value chart value picks next year? If you don't so, it, it, it'll like when you try and calculate it, it'll be like the it'll it'll put it in like to the 16th overall pick. So right in the middle, and then it'll do like best case, worst case. So like when I was talking about the 
um, when I was talking about the Dolphins trade, it was like worst case scenario. It's going to be like worst case if the San Francisco 49ers win the Super Bowl, they still net what is the equivalent of the 66 overall pick. Makes so, sense. Yeah. I, I think it should be a little bit adjusted for per year because obviously some years are stronger than others, but that's just getting a lot, a little bit too technical. I was curious what your, what your thoughts were on the reports that, that the Eagles were interested in possibly training up to three. I don't know if like I saw Ian Rappaport had talked about it, but then he kind of walked it back. But I still just want to get your thoughts on the fact that they might have been interested in training up to three if Zach Wilson was there. Well, you know, I think I think I said this last year and uh, or sorry, last week. And this does, you know, I do understand the Cliff Kingsbury thing that we just spoke about that basically if it's your guy, go get him. But um, like I said, like I said a bit earlier, we drafted Jalen in the second round. I thought he was a seven out of 10. And if he's a seven out of 10 in the second round and four games, what more could you have expected? Why did you draft him in the first place? You know, that sort of thing comes to mind. So, um, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I want to give Jalen this season that I think we're going to be bad anyway and sort of see what we have. I think that's in our best interest. Yeah. Like despite that he was a second round pick and like you brought up the Josh, like we'll continue to talk about the Josh Rosen comparison because that's the most recent guy that was just moved or like, I have to go research if he was like the only guy that's ever been drafted in the top 10 and moved off the year after, but yeah, it just, so many things went wrong there. And I don't think it's the precedent that like, it's going, that's going to be set where teams move off of these guys clearly after a year, especially after four games, you spend the second round pick on them. And you can tell that was kind of the divide that led to Carson Wentz getting traded in part with like, with that move, I think it would be a really, it'd be a really bold move for Howie to trade up and take a quarterback in the first at the three pick, giving up assets from the six pick to move up and then moving off of a second rounder, which isn't nothing. Like I start to think that like you can potentially move off of like the giants drafted an offensive tackle in the third round last year. If they get to 11 and Rashawn Slater is there, I want the giants to take up Rashawn Slater and start him at right tackle or left tackle and just move Matt Pert either to guard or whatever. But that's where I start to think like you, these guys have less of a leash than the first or second rounders. Cause those are premium. Those are premium picks. Those are top 60 picks that you need to find out what you got out of them. And yeah, Jalen was good enough. I think to warrant that when Josh Rosen was out there, it, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't exactly. good. And yeah, also j- just going back to, has there ever been a top 10 QB moved off after a year? Well, I bet if you go through the Browns run where they had like a new QB every year, you could maybe find one there. Yeah. And that that's definitely the precedent you want to set. You want to be just yeah, exactly. like the Browns. No, exactly. Um, so I, I think the, these, these moves, just I, I love the intrigue now. I love the intrigue. We'll definitely get into and have a draft pod to talk about where we have some of these some of these guys going, where we have like our quarterback rankings, our wide receiver rankings, such as that going into the future as we ramp up and I can't wait. Now heading over to the NBA, trade deadline came and went, and there were some major moves, not game breaking moves that we've seen in the past not ones that completely alter the future of the NBA, but these were moves that can be looked at back in a couple of years or even later this season. And you're like, that's a key move that this team made. It wasn't this wow one that catches your headlines and is on the front page of the newspaper and says this team got X, but the, uh, we'll start off with the biggest one. Nikola, Vuce, Nikola Vucevic heading over to the Bulls in exchange for him and Alpha Rukaminu for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and two first-rounders, one in 2021 and one in 2023. Now, Vucevic is under contract for two more years. I thought this was a great trade all around. Magic, I think, sold at the absolute peak where they were avoid going into purgatory for an NBA team. They were too good to be to have a top pick but not good enough to make any noise in the nba playoffs um, yep. i mean the guys this season 24 and a half 11 nearly 12 rebounds a game nearly four assists a game in 44 games with orlando 48 percent, 40 percent, 82 percent splits in shooting he's got a career high in points per game tied for first and assists per game three point percent and true shooting percentage and you're getting two first rounders and pretty much a third first rounder in Wendell Carter Jr. who's picked what six overall or fifth overall a couple of years ago. I love this move for the the Magic. Yeah, I um 
first off about what you said about the deadline it's like there was no that there wasn't that you know that crazy move but you do have to remember Harden was traded earlier in the year and uh there were a lot of interesting moves very interesting moves but in regards to this trade I have to agree the Magic got great value um the only thing the only thing for me is that uh um you like the Magic quote-unquote avoid being in purgatory but they were already there and like they had and they're sort of leaving it now but um man it's just it, it, it probably kind of sucks to be a magic fan because you know that was like the best you've been since you had dwight howard and now you're sort of starting it over again so that was you know safe to say that was a pretty failed rebuild um and you're starting it over again as for the bulls it makes them it makes them exciting it makes them a uh it makes them that next level of east teams obviously you're not a bucks sixers or nets but i, I do think you're arguably about as good as the pacers with with, with all those guys so yeah, I'm excited to see how they, uh, you know, how they play, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing the Bulls in the playoffs. Yeah, in my opinion, they like I agree with you. They were in purgatory. The Magic were for a few years there, where they were hovering around the sixth to the eighth to the whatever seed in the low end of the playoffs, and never they were just a team where it's like, oh, the Bucks are favored by 11 in Game One. Like, okay, I'm not really watching this one that much. And then the Bulls, the Bulls, in my opinion are doing what like the nets are they're just trying the nets were doing it's just trying to be competitive in a big market not necessarily where they need to make the trade or have the assets to make the trade to go get a guy but they think they can be enticing enough in free agency where somebody sees oh the bulls are competitive chicago the history there maybe i want to go there instead and can vucevic be the third best player on a championship team i i think so yeah i mean the, the first two players have to be pretty damn good but yeah I think if he sustains the level of play he's at now where he has the the a very good three, he's shooting 40% from three. He's very efficient just in general. He is distributing the ball well. He is scoring, rebounding at a high clip. But I don't think Zach Levine can be the second best player. So if they add a star, I think if they add a star, I still don't think it gets them there because I don't think Zach Levine, the way he plays, is accustomed to somebody – else being the number one guy and him being the the secondary option on a winning team mm-hmm. so I, i'd be interested to see if they were to get somebody if they moved off of zach levine or if they moved on zach levine just sooner rather than later i know there were reports out earlier in the season that the knicks were monitoring and seeing if they wanted to go after him i wasn't a huge fan of that but in general i like the bulls what the bulls are doing they have a young core wendell carter jr just didn't really seem to get his footing there with injuries and just it's a it's a young team and not everything can gel with like young players yeah well well you know the downside of drafting in the top five top seven every year is that eventually i mean think about it levine aside you also have you know you had wendell and then you had markinen and you had kobe white and you had the guy the guy patrick Patrick Williams. williams And so eventually it's like, well, how many top, you know, five to seven picks can we fit in in the rotation along with bringing in some veterans? So, yeah, you're not going to hit on everyone. Although, honestly, when you look back at the Bulls track record, they've drafted pretty well. Yeah, no, like everybody you name there is like a, I'm not going to say solid NBA player, but none of them are busts at this point. Yeah, they're still very early. like, Like, okay, if you go back in time and this is the guy that you would get at the pick you had, would you take it? Yeah, yeah, probably. So, yeah, as opposed to running the risk again and seeing if somebody could crater or obviously having the upside pick of maybe this is the next guy. Yeah, like, see, yeah. that's that's the thing. They haven't necessarily drafted like the next guy as it were, but, uh, you know, like I said, like, like solid picks. They're all solid picks. Agreed, agreed. Now, next up, the Magic again unloading an, another key player on their team, Aaron Gordon heading to the Denver Nuggets in exchange for it was Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark. For RJ Hampton, Gary Harris, and a protected first rounder in 2025. Now, Aaron Gordon's under contract for one more year after this, but I felt like it was. Uh, what did the What did the Nuggets really give up here? They gave up a protected first. They gave up a 19 year old that plays about nine minutes a game, and then uh, a guard that makes over 20 million dollars a year, but hasn't played more than what is it 57 games? He's played more than 57 games twice in six years. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think you find yourself with an interesting player, Aaron Gordon, who, you know, what one of those guys who you, you know, you, you convince yourself he has a lot of potential until it's his, 
God knows how many years he's been in the league at this point, probably six or seven. And uh, But even so, you know, I think he's an interesting fit next to Jokic. I know Millsap is getting old. So you sort of have, you know, between Millsap and Gordon, you have a nice little, like, two guys that can play the four. And then you have Jokic. And then I think you still have Fumley as your backup five. No, no, no. He's on, uh, he's on uh, Detroit. Oh, yeah? Do, yeah. Who's, who's their backup five? Is it Bowl? It's uh, – I can't remember off the top of my head. It's I not that important, but – it might be bowl, honestly. Yeah, it might I know be. he's been getting a couple more minutes, but anyway, you know, I think you have a a good, you know, good good group, interesting group. Like you said, Gary Harris probably a bit overrated at this point. Um, as the Nuggets have really come to their own, he sort of faded out. Not necessarily saying that those events are related, but you know, they they are at least um, correlated. Um, and so, yeah. Um, I mean, Gordon's still just 25. He's averaging 14 and a half, six and a half, and 4.2 assists per game in 25 games with the Orlando Magic. He's averaged over 14 points per game in five out of his eight seasons. And he shoots the three ball kind of well, pretty well. He's shot over 37% over the last two years. I think with a distributor like Nikola Jokic that can really get him involved and make him a more efficient scorer. I think when I've seen already, he's played about one or two games and he's shooting in the 60s in field goal percentage. And all of his misses are pretty much from three, which I think will bounce as he just gets more acclimated. This is somebody that could he be the third or fourth option for an NBA title team? Because that's where when you make this move, when you're giving up a first rounder, when you're when you're giving up a 2025 first rounder and you're giving up the guy that you drafted in the first round this past year, you're assuming this is somebody that's also going to give you another jump when it comes to winning an NBA title this year. Is he the third or fourth option on for them if you see them in May or June making these runs? I think he can be the fourth more than the third, and then that puts more pressure on Michael Porter Jr. to become yeah. that third, that solidified yeah. third. No, I agree, and, and I also think, um, you know, the Nuggets could, could use the sort of, like, verticality that you get with an Aaron Gordon, who obviously is famous for, you know, his dunk contest quarry. Um or lack thereof, but it, so, you know, you add, you add that because, you know, Jokic obviously doesn't get up very far and Murray's not the most athletic player you'll ever see either. So um, yeah, it's uh, I think it, it's good. I think it's good. Then they didn't really have to give up much for an, uh, a high ceiling guy. I mean, again, only 25, but he feels like he's been in the league forever. It feels like, I think he's been in the league for seven, seven years, seven. I think this might be his eight year, eighth year. Like, this is a guy that has experience. He's been in the playoffs, not very far, but that's something still that's useful enough. Now, Victor Oladipo to the Miami Heat in exchange for Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and a 2022 pick swap. Let me say this again. Victor Oladipo for Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and a 2022 pick swap. I had to double check that when I saw it initially. It was because the 2022 pick swap is relevant because Miami's going to be better than Houston. And yeah. now you're giving me Victor Oladipo in exchange for Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley. Yeah, well, uh, clearly oh, last year of Oladipo's contract, he was he was gone regardless. It just it's a bit surprising that like I don't know like the Lakers or somebody didn't come in and, and at least bid it up a little bit. Um, so there's not there's not even much to say. I mean, yeah, like you know, you could you could do do a bit more math on the on the hardened trade and say, wow, they really got actually nothing for this. But the whole point was to blow it up and get a bunch of picks anyway. So the players are a bit inconsequential. Um, uh, the more I listen, I think, the more I listen to people, it seems like the teams were hesitant to part with serious assets because it felt like he was leaving. He was leaving whatever team they were going on for New York or Miami in free agency this upcoming offseason. Yeah, well, he was – I mean, don't forget, he was literally, you know, during the, like, playoff series with the Pacers, like, asking the Heat players if he could come play with them or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah, no, I remember that story, a post game. I, I um, forget which exact game, but yeah. But, you know, all that aside, but here, here's the facts. The Heat just added Oladipo for nothing, basically, and – um Oladipo is good. Like, <laughs> so I like this. You know, I think this is a pretty good trade. Yeah, especially what like 
I have to assume he's coming off the bench. He'll be like the six man because I don't know how much him, Jimmy, Bam. I, I'd rather have Tyler Hero out there as the number two with Kendrick Nunn, Jimmy, Bam, and I think Duncan Robinson as the four. I'd rather that than put Victor Oladipo there as opposed to letting Victor come off the bench and be the six man and run that unit by himself and still give him solid minutes. I'm not saying he plays six man. He might, he'll play higher end six man minutes. Yeah. And then going back to your point, like when you go back to the James Harden trade, it's like, what did they really get out? If I'm a, if I'm a Houston Rockets fan, I'd rather have taken the Sixers offer that included Ben Simmons, because no matter how, no matter what happens with these picks, whatever happens, like if you took the Sixers deal, you guarantee yourself an all-star caliber player that is young, that is under contract for about five or four more years. And you can hang your hat on that. And you're like, I got that for James Harden, not these picks that could be nothing because if the Nets just re-sign these guys, then they're going to be in the back half of the first regardless. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, so I don't necessarily blame the, the Rockets for not taking a Jared Allen and a uh, Karis LeVert because I, I, it's a bit of a question of like, well, you know, these guys don't really move the needle. What are you going to do with them? But when you bring up the Simmons aspect, which I had honestly forgotten about, and you see what sort of season he's having, that is a, that is a very good point. That is a very, very good point. Because- and, if you, and if your point is that, like, oh, him and John Wall, then fuck John Wall and get him out of there. Yeah, seriously. It's like if, the, if that's your issue with holding up with getting Ben Simmons in the trade for James Harden, then get John Wall out of there. Yeah. I mean, that, that should be the least of your worries is appeasing him. I, it's, I've been listening to some reports and it's, I agree with this opinion. This is just a mechanism for GMs to buy themselves time. It's a mechanism for them yeah. to say, Oh, I have the, I gave up this, I gave up James Harden and you don't know how these picks are going to turn out. At least let me make these picks eight years later. That that's, that's their selling point as opposed to, okay, like we'll get Ben Simmons and let me show you how I can build around him and make this team into a winner around a good player. And that's not even like, there was probably more, I assume from what I had read that there was more in that trade, like Maxi and maybe a first rounder in that trade built in with Ben Simmons. I would much rather have that. Well, well, after well but, but I think, I think that's what, what made the Sixers say no, but then, it, but then at a certain point you could say, fine, keep the first or keep Maxi and just give us, Simmons, honestly, and that should be enough. I, I wonder if it was in part because the owner just felt like "fuck you, Daryl." Like you left and then went yeah. to a few, and then you went and went to another team. And like I'm not giving you, us. I'm not giving yeah. you James Harden. Yeah, know. yeah. I, That's just a shitty way to run business exactly, and run exactly. an you NBA team. Don't let that be your your decision making. You know, that's like. Like, I don't know, I don't have like quite the analogy, but you're totally just like totally screwing yourself over to also screw someone else over. And look at the Sixers. Clearly they're not that, they're, clearly they're not that screwed over. They're fine. I mean, so like you just cut your nose off to spite your face. That, that's yeah. what you do by, by trading for Ben Simmons. Like that, that's what you, that's what happens there. Instead, they just, they just let it blow up in their face at this point. Because we don't know what these draft picks are going to be, and even if they're they're in the top ten, that's still not a foregone conclusion. That's still not a foregone conclusion that any of these guys will be close to what Ben Simmons is, which is an all a defensive player of the year caliber player and a guy that can initiate your offense. That is one of the most gifted passers in the NBA, and is six nine as a point guard, and again under contract for four or five more years. So it's not like you have to deal with the whole contract shit. Uh, it, it was baffling to me looking at how they've kind of maneuvered the second half of it. I didn't hate the trade in the beginning, but the fact that they've maneuvered the second half of this as poorly as they have, uh, it, it really looks bad on them, in my opinion. And, and the funny thing is, is that, or funny if you will, is that we all wanted to see what Ben Simmons would be like with his own team. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, that was sort of the perfect situation. It's like, Hey, we sort of have nothing going for us, but we'll just take Ben Simmons and just, um, and just see, and and you, you really, yeah, like you said. Look, I don't think I don't think the GMs are like, oh crap. Like if we trade, if we if we if we if I trade for Ben Simmons, I'm gonna have to like be good now and, and, and like risk getting fired. And I just want to hold this job and be sucky for as long as possible. I don't think they necessarily think like that. I do think that they might have that you have a point when it comes to why didn't they keep um, why didn't they keep 
Levert and Jared Allen because then it's like you could people might think you're going to be good even though you're not going to be good. Um, but the Simmons thing, you know, the, when you bring up the Simmons thing, which I had not really been thinking about, I've been thinking more so about the Nets offer in general. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, a, a pretty big indictment on um, on the Rockets. He's about to be 25 in July. There's yeah. no there's no rush in within this season or the next season to win because this guy is still like he could still be in his prime or entering his prime, like the peak years of his career at this point. There, there was no real rush. And it's a guy that you dangle and you're like, oh, Bradley Beal's on the open market? Like, come play with Ben Simmons. It's, yeah. it's that bargaining chip for another star to come in and play with him. Fully. So now on to the Boston Celtics. Again, this is just the magic, just selling off all their pieces. Evan Fournier headed to the magic for Jeff Teague, who was then waived, and two second rounders. Now, I love this trade for the Celtics. He's 28 years old, but a free agent at the end of the season. But he adds that wing depth that they just need. I think they needed. They also needed somebody like Vucevic, but everybody needs a Vucevic for the most part, except if you're like the Nuggets or the Sixers. But he is a minimal priced wing depth guy that can put up. He averages almost 20 points a game right now on 46, 38, 79 shooting splits. I thought this was a very good and very smart ad that they had at the trade deadline. I, uh, of course, I like the move as far as what they gave and what they got. Man, I just, honestly, let's talk about, let's just talk about the Celtics in general for a second and the sort of, the sort of downfalls of always looking towards the future and never making the the true win now move because, um, in hindsight, I kind of think that their window already passed. You know, well, look, and here's the thing: Brown and Tatum are still extremely young, um, but 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 look at it this way: um, they made the Eastern Conference Finals in 2018. Then they were, you know, they had the weird year in 19, and they were in the Eastern Conference Finals again last year. And they never made the true all-in move. They kept sitting on these lottery picks that proved to be late lottery picks. They whiff on the majority of them, and. Uh, and, you know, you look at them now, and like I said, I mean, they're just teams that are just better than them in the East. I know that Tatum and Brown are young, and so in that sense, their window isn't over, but teams are just better than them. So, um, man, if I'm a Celtics fan, I'm pretty upset because you were looking in 2013-14, you're thinking 15, you're thinking, okay, we're going to win three championships this decade and be in the finals every year, and now you're probably never going to make the finals. So, you know, I'd be upset if, if, I, was, if I was a fan of them. Yeah, I mean, you had Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown pretty much on the equivalent of having two rookie quarterbacks on your friend, yeah. on your team making minimal money. And I, look, they had bad luck with the Gordon Hayward Hayward injury in this for in like his first game with that. And the Kyrie thing sort of was. And the Kyrie, but I didn't like the Kemba Walker signing in the beginning. I, I didn't think he was a guy that you look at and look if. I couldn't even look at him and be like, yeah, he's the third option on a championship team because of how much of a liability he is on the defensive end. So I didn't like that. And then, yeah, they didn't go all in on these guys. They didn't go all in on Kawhi or Paul George. I mean, I don't know what the price was. Maybe it was Jalen Brown. Maybe it was you had to give up Jalen Brown and they weren't ready to do that. And in that way, I can kind of see it. But if it's just about the draft picks, I mean, yeah, you have to you have to run the numbers. And it's like, yeah, like we're talking about with the Rockets, you want the tangible asset, especially when you see this window to go get go to go to win. Because, yeah, right now the Celtics are firmly behind the top three teams in the East, which is the Nets, the Sixers and the Bucks, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's it, and, and so, like I said, like while their players may still be young, they uh, their window is a bit gone. And like you look at their team, it's like. Man, they don't they don't pass the ball. They don't really move the ball. You're adding Fournier, which like either a you're adding another uh, like ball stopper, or b you're relegating him to which is more likely you're just sort of making him a a shooter, um, as so many players are in this league. And uh, I don't know, like yeah, sure, this objectively makes the Celtics a bit better, and they'll probably make the playoffs and all that, but. It, I don't know. They're going to win one round at best. That's it, does, it, it doesn't move the needle at all. It doesn't, it brings them. I, I don't even know if it brings them closer to those teams because those other teams made solid moves. I mean, 
as little as the George Hill move was, it's still a good move by the Sixers. And it's, it's, it's not like, substantially Celtics, worse than this. The Celtics are involved in every single big name. And you look back and it's like, well, we got Tristan Thompson and we got Evan Fournier. And like, meanwhile, the, like these other teams are just like, man, like the East is a lot better than it was three years ago. And the Celtics are about the same. Like the Bucks got PJ Tucker. That I thought was a great trade. Yeah, that is a great dude. I I love PJ Tucker. I thought he was a great fit. I think he will be a great fit when they go up against like the Nets. When the Nets go to small ball five, they can play PJ Tucker there. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And now it's becoming a meme on, on, on Twitter. It's like the Nets, or it's just a, a jersey hanging in the rafter, and it's just uh, the almost banner. For the for the Celtics, it's like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, enter another superstar that they were in on, but not completely in on. But yeah, this it may it helps them. It may it, it'll probably provide them more security in the first round where they it might they might not sweat it to seven games, but yeah, it doesn't move the needle at all. And but dude, honestly, they they probably will because I don't understand who they're gonna play that wouldn't you you know um yeah they need the fourth or fifth i yeah at best they're going to be the fourth or fifth seed and then they're playing what the pacers probably or or the the heat who i know yeah, have a bad record heat. now but you, you know they'll probably turn it around man i mean i mean maybe they'll get quote unquote lucky and play our knicks who are like sitting at the four seed right now um, knicks, knicks are taking them I'm saying it now <laughs> i don't i don't think so but that would be amazing that you know, I I, I I am not losing faith on them. Take, I won't say they'll take on the Bucks, the Nets, or the Sixers. Maybe even not the Heat, but I think the Celtics, I think they can take them. Or make it an interesting series. Because like you said, they, there's a bunch of ball stoppers on this team. It doesn't seem like when we looked at Brad Stevens' teams, like when they made those runs with Isaiah Thomas, it was, it was not as ball-centric. It wasn't like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown just taking turns, getting up shots. And then everybody else is in the corner or whatever. They're relegated, which probably what will be Evan Fournier's role. Yeah, I, I don't love this team at the moment. Yeah. Now, now heading over to the Toronto Raptors, sending Norman Powell for Gary Trent and Rodney Hood. And when you look at it from Toronto's aspect, this team not doing, not really contending this year, 11th in the East. They're 18 and 29. They're 14 games back of the Sixers in the one spot, but they are five games back of the Miami Heat in the eighth spot, two games back of the 10th spot. So they could still get into the playing tournament. Um, But when I look at this, this is, in my mind, they get the clear younger guy. He Gary Trent is 22 versus Powell's 27. He becomes a restricted free agent at the end of the season, but they can re-sign him. They get the first right to refusal on any offers that teams might give them. And I think Trent has shown the ability to be a very solid scorer, averaging yeah, 15 he was points. killing it in the bubble last year. Exactly. And he's fit, he averages 15 points a game. Meanwhile, with Portland, they get the more veteran-ready guy that's probably better right now. And they don't need to worry about paying him this offseason. He has one more year on his contract. So I like this trade all around. Uh, yeah. I mean, Norman Powell, when you look, he's averaging 19 and a half a game shooting on you know, 49, you know, 44, the, 85. The Bush, you know, because we were just talking about the Celtics and sort of unwillingness to make a move, I do think the Blazers are sort of like the opposite. Um, I think the Blazers are always willing to at least try the move. They always have like a sort of interesting new guy. Um, on their team each year. And, uh, you know, is it ever like the move that's necessarily going to work? No, but I don't know. When you look through the uh, Blazers teams throughout the years, they've had, you know, like a sort of like different fourth option, third option every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they brought in Robert Covington at the beginning of the year. Down. Yeah. And, and, you know, mellow and they had Whiteside for a bit and, and they had Nurkic and they had cancer for some time. And, and you know, they, they just, they mix it up and, and they have some different guys and, uh, you know, it doesn't always it doesn't always work, but you can't knock the Blazers for trying to make things work. I will say on, on the counterpoint, that might be why they're always so tied up cap wise, because they sort of have all these random guys making 15 to 20 million a year. But um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, look, when you're when you're a small market team and you have a superstar like they do with Dame, they, these I'm all for player mobility, but and because teams don't take advantage or they don't go out and really surround or really try to surround their te- their superstars 
in some instances, like we saw with LeBron in Cleveland in his first in, they're trying everything they can to find that next piece because I think they recognize that. Look, I don't know if CJ's the number two guy that can win a title. I think Dame can be the number one guy, but they're constantly trying to fix and match these pieces to work. And I, I think, yeah, they 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 might be hamstringing them cap wise, but the these are the moves you need to make as as a small market team to try and get yourself better and to a to make your superstar happy. Not that Dame has said that he's unhappy, but you want to keep them just in good faith and just show them that you're constantly trying to win around them. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason that he's probably happy is just because, I mean, yeah, the Blazers take it serious. You know, they're, they're never taking a year off. They're, they're never doing any of that stuff. I mean, they even stuck into the conference finals that one year when the, when the sort of playoff bracket as it were shook out in their favor. Um, and, and I like teams like that, that, you know, look in a league where only like three teams go in the title every year, I have a lot of respect for the teams that, that try anyway and try their best to be competitive. And the Blazers are one of those teams. Mm-hmm. Now the last one, this is a, a couple of old dudes getting swapped for each other. Rajon Rondo to the, Los Angeles Clippers for Lou Williams, two second rounders, one in 2023 and one in 2027 and cash considerations. Atlanta moves off of Rondo's contract where he's making seven and a half million dollars a year. And he was just playing 15 minutes per game. So he's making about 500 K in theory, like per minute or per, yeah, per minute, pretty much per game. And the Clippers in turn get a facilitator that I think they've desperately needed. When you look at their team, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Marcus Morris, I mean, you go down the line, none of these guys you really think of as facilitators or guys that really run an offense, just looking to move the ball. And now they bring in a guy where that's his strong suit. We saw it in the bubble last year. We saw it in the playoffs. We saw it with the late, like this is a guy that throughout his career has shown the ability to know how to run an offense, be have a super high IQ about the game, be a, a pretty good defender especially I mean he was amazing in his days in the uh in his earlier days he's solid now I love this move for this for the Clippers Lou Williams is one of the worst playoff performers in probably the last decade and when his really only attribute is scoring and he's not doing that it becomes a big issue and Rondo adds more intangibles and more facets of his game that you have to worry about especially in the playoffs yeah, I think I think this was amazing for the Clippers. I actually think this sort of revolts them into being contenders because um, they struggled with playmaking. They sort of the, the playmaking duties sort of fell on Kawhi, which is just un, unfair, um, and, and just it doesn't really work. He's just not that sort of player. And and now you add a guy like Rondo, who who's a distributor, toughness. Um, plays defense, unlike Lou Will, who, who I'm a fan of, but you know he's kind, he's kind of a liability out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, look, and and this is a toughness guy. This is a guy where when you're down, when you're giving up a three-one lead, like he's gonna he's gonna speak up. He's going to get in people's faces. He's going to tell them like, step the fuck up, because like we're not letting this happen. I, I think there's like the never die attitude with Rondo where he's just got that nastiness, that toughness that they, I think, were missing last year. And and when you look at Lou Williams, he isn't he isn't that type of guy. So I, I think just culture-wise, it definitely fits. And I do agree. Like, when we talk down about the Evan Fournier thing, about how it doesn't really necessarily lift them uh, the Celtics up, I think this is one that lifts up the Clippers, not necessarily to on par with the Lakers, but it definitely gives them another step up. So, yeah, so I, I think, like I said, I think they're the second best team in the West now, above above, above even a Nuggets. Um, I think the Rondo thing is a really big deal. And I don't think it'll necessarily be reflected in the regular season, but I think it's a really big deal. And I think I think they really needed something like that. If, if we didn't have enough little storylines with the Clippers-Lakers, now we just added another one, playoff Seriously. Rondo going from the Lakers to the Clippers. Man, second half of the season – has certainly started to ramp up and these moves as we've seen with the buyout market, whether we've seen Blake Griffin going to the, going to the nets, Andre Drummond going to the Lakers, LaMarcus Aldridge going to the nets, whatever it is, it's continuing to stockpile these top teams continue to stockpile. And it's very interesting to see because more teams have gone into the tanking or if you're not winning, you're just, 
you're buying out guys. And then these guys are then identifying that maybe I just want to go to a team that's going to win and not a team that I get like necessarily the most minutes on. So it's interesting to see just the different fact, the, the different, the different situations that lead to players going to these winning teams, whether it's trade buyout market, whatever. Yeah. I, I want to quickly run. What do you, do you think that about Kyle Lowry not moving? Well, you know, you say a guy's going to get traded, you field offers, and then the offers aren't that good. And at the end of the day, you just sort of say, okay, fine, we'll stick with what we have. Um, it's, it's a bit weird when, when you, you know, basically make it obvious a guy's going to get traded and doesn't get traded. But um, I don't know. You don't have to be a pushover franchise and just trade him because you said you were. Um, I, I, it is what it is. Guy, some guys get traded. Some guys don't, honestly. You know, I don't know. I saw that I saw the Sixers were like the main team and they didn't want to part with, I think it was like Maxi Thibel and picks. Like, I'm curious if it'll be something that they, if they regret as well as like the Harden stuff, but I don't know. I, I like their George Hill signing. It was minimal. They didn't have to give up these assets for a guy that's making $30 million this year and is a, as, and is a free agent after this upcoming season. But that that's another storyline because the Sixers have missed out on two key two two key guys that they could have had in trades that yeah. definitely could have upgraded their team for this year. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Lowry one especially because with Harden, you know, getting rid of Simmons and Simmons ended up being amazing, and so is Harden, obviously. But um, but uh, I don't know, you know that like. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. They want to keep uh, Simmons, but but then as far as the Lowry one goes, yeah, you know it's tough because I think I think teams fall you know deep in love with potential, and it's sort of like it's sort of like wow, Tyrese Maxey could be anything because he's having a, a solid rookie year. Title could be anything, and they end up being just you know guys, and you miss the chance to have Lowry. Maybe that will come back to bite them. So we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to, you know, because if they lose in the Eastern Semis or the Eastern Conference Finals this year in six, and and you kind of you kind of won't be able to help but think to yourself, wow, if they had Lowry, this would probably at least be in a Game Seven. Yeah, because so, because everything I talk about with Rondo and like those intangibles, the toughness. I mean, Lowry brings that too, and oh, he's yeah, and he's a, and he's a bigger threat offensively, and just as much of a pest on the defensive end. So I think it's definitely something that you look at when it comes to playoff time. Maybe George Hill become like goes through a spurt where he is where he's viable enough where it's like, okay, like at least that mattered, but it won't get the longevity of a Kyle Lowry if they had made that trade. I don't know if I would have been on board with it just because of the risk that you run because it's a one year rental, but I don't know. No, I'm not I'm not a GM for that reason. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Probably talking about some NFL draft, uh, unless there's more big news coming out. But uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Yep. Thank you, guys. Till then.